This podcast brought to you by Hope 103.2. Hey, it's good to be hanging out with you again for another episode of LifeWords Q&A. It's uh, 20 minutes of discussing your life, your faith, and the Bible, and looking at how how God, the Bible, relates to our daily life. It's with David Ray, Andrew Morris. David, welcome to another episode. Thanks, Andrew. Good to be here. Uh, ahead of us, three questions, looking at uh, disability and dementia, and um, how those that are suffering those those uh, issues relate to God and how God relates to those uh, those people. Also, we're looking at the book of Revelation and uh, also our right to disobey civil authority. That's all ahead of us here on LifeWords Q&A. David, let's start with question number one. This is a fascinating question. And uh, it's uh, the questioner is asking, I worry about disabled people and those with dementia being able to relate to God. Can they relate to God? Well, the short answer is, Yes, indeed, they can. I say that quite firmly because can we really conceive of a God, the God that we know of the Scriptures and through Jesus, who says to people who have got disability or dementia, well, sorry, you can't relate to you. Uh, You're beyond me now. Um, I I, I cannot believe that God can't get through to such people. Now, how he gets through to such people, that's another matter. That, that might be a mystery. But I don't think he turns us aside or gives up just because of our condition. I mean, it, it, we, we know that God loves and cares for all people, and we know that he particularly loves and cares for the poor and needy. Um, now, these people we would regard as poor and needy, and I can't conceive of God saying, oh, dear, you haven't got verbal skills, so you can't pray to me, or, dear me, you've lost your memory, therefore you can't remember me. Oh, dear me, well, sorry about that. We just have to leave you in some dark, sad limbo world. I don't think God is limited at all. How he gets through, I don't know. But but it could be with sense perceptions, with images or sounds or nature. Who knows? I, I don't know because I'm obviously I'm not in that position. But I would imagine that he has got special ways of getting through to people. I know with people with dementia, for example, in the ministry that I've had in that area, that there's many people with dementia who... Um, retain memories of things like, like in a dementia hostel or something where you're conducting a church service they can pretty well all say the Lord's Prayer or, or know some of the old hymns or something like that so there's some something lodged in the memory there and I'm sure God is able to get through uh, to people um, like that and, 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 and it's simply with how those people relate to God I, I have people with disability in, in, in my family uh, and I can only presume that if they wish to relate to God, they can do so. I don't think God is sort of holding up his hand saying, oh, I'm sorry, you were born with an intellectual or physical disability or you can't speak or whatever. I'm sorry, um, I'm a stranger to you. I, I cannot conceive of the God that I know from the Scriptures doing that. You see, one, one little clue of that is in Romans eight twenty six, where I think it is in 26 and 27, where, where Paul says something on the lines of, um, we do not know what to pray. But but we pray to God with sighs and groans too deep for words, and the Spirit intercedes for us, mm. and so on and so on. I'm just paraphrasing that there. So what Paul seems to be saying is, you don't need words to pray to God, and many of us, of course, know that. Um, so I, I, I would think there, that's a little hint, that people who haven't got the intellectual ability or the verbal dexterity to be able to um, pray to God are still able to get through to God by... by sending thoughts or feelings and so on. And while that might sound spooky, I think Romans 8.26 does give us an open door for that possibility. And and, and as I say, I, I believe that God is not limited to 
our verbal skills or our intellectual skills. He's well able to hear the even a, a young child who is, doesn't have a disability is well able to respond to that little child, and I'm sure that little child is well able to to relate to God. Not, I, I can't precisely say how that happens, but my understanding of God makes it clear that I think that it does happen. You would have to assume that God is speaking to babies from from the time of conception. From the time of conception. Yeah. I've got no doubt about that. But but how it all happens, I, I don't know. I, I can only argue that, not from a Bible text, but from my understanding of the nature of God yeah. and his care for all, all sorts of life. So I, I have no, um, again, I've ministered to people with dementia and people with disability and so on, and I have no qualms about assuming that, well, God has some special means of, of communicating with them, and I think he enables, through his grace of the Holy Spirit, enables them to communicate to him, because I don't think in God's providence there is a first and second class sort of citizenship. So uh, I don't, this question of saying I worry, I would say, don't worry. Just because you don't know how it happens doesn't mean to say it's not happening. Yeah, that's a it's a fascinating question, and uh, I, I I think I just recently listened to a podcast. Um, if you're interested in learning more about uh, maybe this topic, uh, uh, there's a Nomad podcast on iTunes, and uh, a guest speaker called John Swinton who uh, talks about spirituality, health, and yes. disability. Mm. And uh, you might want to search that out and yes. have a listen. John Swinton is basically the world expert on the interaction of theology and ageing and disability and so on. He's a Scottish, I think he's yeah, a Scottish yeah. theologian. Mm. So check that out uh, on iTunes. It's the Nomad Podcast with John Swinton. Uh, okay, David, you're listening to LifeWords Q&A. You can uh, go back and explore the back catalogue of LifeWords episodes. There's many to check out, all different kinds of topics that relate to how you live your life as a Christian and also how you relate to the Bible and God. And uh, our second question today, David, is how literally do we take the book of Revelation? And can you tell us um, uh, just about, yeah, when the book was written and in the context as well? Well, it was written, um, well, there's debates about how it was written. Some people will argue anything from 70 AD to 100 AD or even later. There's all sorts of debate about that. But it was written well after the um, death of Jesus. Um the traditional view is that it was written by John. Uh, other people debate that whether it, it, it's the product of John in its final condition. But but anyway, that that's that's by the by. It's a it's a funny old book in that in that there are huge differences of opinion because it's such different literature. It's it's what they call Jewish apocalyptic literature, and 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 we see evidence of that in some parts of the Old Testament, like Ezekiel and Zechariah and Daniel, um, as well as in the Book of Revelation. And um, while I can't make head nor tail of quite a bit of it, it was written to a certain group of people who would have been able to make sense of it with all its complex imagery because um, it was written as Jewish apocalyptic literature to Jewish people who understood apocalyptic literature, but we are sort of outsiders, as it were, uh, to that. And would it, would it, because of course the Roman Empire at that time was massive, it, it owned the whole of uh, the Mediterranean area and into Europe, and you know, a lot of persecution going on at that time. Uh, it, would it be in, in context to what was happening around, say, if John was the writer, around what he was experiencing oh, or indeed. seeing? Oh, indeed. It, it, this is, again, one of the reasons we find it hard to interpret, because it was written within a particular historical context. And if, you were to, if I were to sum it up, and I think in a fairly non-controversial way, the book of Revelation is describing the great cosmic battle between the forces of evil 
and Jesus. And that is, is compared, as it were, or, or, or the, the writer says there is a parallel to what is happening with the Roman Empire and Christians. Um, that, that's very, very general, but that seems to be what it's, um, what it's happening. You see, I think if there's a sentence or two that sums up the book of Revelation for me is that it is a description of, of, of a cosmic battle between the forces of good and evil and that good will triumph over evil, which was very important because, as you say, this was written at a time of, of growing persecution from the Roman Empire to Christians, and many Christians would have been thinking, well, the game's up. You know, how, who are we to fight against the Roman Empire? And, and the book of Revelation is saying to them, yes, 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 things are tough. It's not minimising that. But, hey, in the end, uh, this, all these earthly battles are only a reflection of the heavenly battles, number one. Number two, um, we're going to win. Uh, and and I think with all the other stuff that people want to read read a lot of lot, lot of stuff in into it, I think at least we can agree on that. Now now the the question that says how literally do we take it? Well, there's different people have different views. Many people would take it very literally, and would certainly and as an as an extension of that would see it as very applicable to what is happening today. Maybe in the Middle East, maybe in other parts of the world. People like me tend to see it more, we're down the other end of the spectrum and see it more as symbolic and metaphorical. I personally, uh, for one thing, would be very reluctant to apply any particular parts of the book of Revelation specifically to current affairs now, except that general application that there is a whole lot of turmoil, upset, persecution of the church, but we only expect it. That's what's happened in the heavenly realms and we are going to win. So, 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 so that's that's the encouragement I get, and I, I do get a bit concerned if people get bogged down with um, how we interpret it in in all detail. I mean, I've always taken the view that uh, I would never want to get into a great debate about people's views of the Book of Revelation. Is it dangerous to to? read too much into the book of Revelation literally to say, okay, the great North Empire or, yes, or, or yes, yes. Is, is China or is Russia and, yes. oh, that's the Pope or it's the president that they're talking about. I mean, is that just going too far? I, I think it is, although many other fine Christians don't think it is. But my problem with that is that it's very hard to apply something that was written back there in the first century uh, to us today. I... I, I if I can put it as bluntly as this, I don't think John was writing to predict what was going to happen in the 21st century. No, I mean, uh, people would have thought that this was represented by Hitler and the Nazis. Yeah, in World that, that's War II. right. You see, see when, when we talk about Hitler or the old communist empire or even the rise of radical is, is Islamism, uh, the book of Revelation is relevant in that these can be forces which are attacking the Christian church. And, yep. as I said, the Christian church will eventually triumph, the book of Revelation says. Uh, so so it, the book of Revelation is generally relevant. It's representative. That's right. But I would not want to necessarily say, ah, um, the, 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 the enemy arises from the north, so therefore that must be Russia. Not necessarily, but Russia, hey, was a problem. You know, yep. we, we know that. So I wouldn't want to read too much into it um, but at the same time I don't want to dismiss it as all just mythology and legend and so on so if I just take as I do a much more metaphorical view I'm quite satisfied that I'm getting the meaning out of it that I think John wanted to put into it um, the big picture is um, uh, there is there is a battle between good and evil a battle between the church of Jesus Christ and forces hostile to it uh, 
but the battle has been won by Jesus and we're yet to see the fulfilment of that victory um, on earth. So I think it is sad, as I say, that if people are getting bogged down with debates about this, that or the other and losing sight of the very, very big picture, which is actually very encouraging. But it's encouraging to me, the book of Revelation, even though there's many bits of it that I shake my head at and say, I can't understand it because I'm not a Jew reading it in that context. Thanks, David. If you've got questions for David or you want to have uh, some feedback, you can can always email lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. David uh, reads your emails and he responds. That's lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. Andrew Morris, David Ray with you. And our final question for today, David, is it ever right to disobey civil authority? If so, when? I think it can be right to practice civil disobedience, um, but there is a tension. The, the text, the great text that people quote is Romans chapter 13, where Paul says you are to um, respect and obey the civil authorities. And that, that were Roman authorities too. Although when Paul was writing that, I think just a historical note, while the Roman authorities were not friendly towards Christians, they hadn't reached that crescendo of persecution that they did later. However, that's by the by. So what Paul is saying is even though you might not like the authorities and they might not practice Christian principles, um, you are to respect um, the civil authority. You can't just disobey laws because we don't like them or they cause us problems because, you see, there'd be anarchy and chaos. What what, what I've always tried to do is to, to delineate between respect for civil authority in principle and yet at the same time reserving the right to challenge, criticise and even disobey civil authority in certain circumstances. Some authorities can be so bad that they cause lack of respect for authority in general. And if there is such a corrupt rule, then um, my respect for the principle of authority may cause me to disobey a particular authority. So, so um, for example, one classic case of that was in the um, rise of Hitler in Germany. Um, without going into too much detail, the Lutheran church in Germany had a very strong view that the church obeyed the state, as it were, the the, the strong view of Romans 13, you obey the state. And sadly, that led to many German churches uh, simply going along with Hitler. Well, we don't like him very much, but oh, certainly didn't like him very much, but we'll go along with him because he's an authority. We have to accept the principle of authority, whereas other Christians, like um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer is the most famous of them, uh, Bonhoeffer said, well, well, no, of course we've got to respect authority, but he has so corrupted authority, he has so misused and abused his authority that we must, out of respect for authority in general, disobey this particular person. And and I think I think many Christians now would 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 say that we've got to be able to say, look, this particular person has such a as uh, giving such a bad name to authority that we might need to um, practice civil disobedience. Now, of course, as Bonhoeffer found out, there's a cost to that. Yes, and, and I think Christians who who want to disobey civil authority, well, we might respect them. For example, a conscientious objector in wartime or something. Yes, but but sadly, the civil authority has got the right to. Um, punish you for it. Well, recently, I think there was a number of ministers and pastors in Sydney who occupied uh, an MP's office to protest about the treatment of refugees. And I think, I'm not sure if they were arrested or just let out of the office. But but, I mean, again, they're making a point because they believe that the gospel says, you know, where to look after the poor. And and I guess, you know, that... Um, 
there's different levels of civil disobedience. Exactly, and, and I don't think they, those particular people were showing any disrespect for authority. I think they were just saying, we reserve the right to protest, which you can in our society, you yeah. can't in all societies. We preserve our right to protest. And yes, we accept the consequences of it. Hmm. Um, and in that case, I don't think there were great consequences. The, 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 other, the other aspect to this is Jesus' teaching, of course, is when he was challenged about this, uh, the old saying is, render to Caesar the things that are Caesar and to God the things that are God. And now that, in one sense, is a very mysterious sort of statement. But Jesus is, I think, trying to get the balance right. There are certain areas where we actually um, simply have to obey, um, you pay your taxes. Uh, this is a context in which Jesus said that. You pay your taxes. Um, if Caesar is providing you with services, well, you pay your taxes, thanks very much. You don't say, oh, we don't like Caesar. Uh, sorry, you pay your taxes. But he was also saying, but hang on, there's a limit to Caesar's authority. And 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 the Apostle Peter, I think it was, who said the same thing in the book of Acts. He said uh, when he was commanded to be silent about preaching, he said, sorry, We've got to obey God rather than man. So there is always that balance. Is it ever right to disobey civil authority? Yes. But I think there would be extreme cases where the clear commands of Scripture are being challenged by the state. Um, if the state, for example, I'm just thinking off the top of my head here, if the state, if the civil authorities said to me, David, you must never talk about Jesus uh, in public, well, I'd probably have to disobey. But then if the civil authority said, um, you cannot meet in that building anymore, well, I'd say, well, okay, right, I'll, I'll meet somewhere else. In, in other yeah. words, we have to, we can't be childish thumbing our noses at authority saying, we don't like you very much, we're Christians, we're different, and just thumbing our nose at authority. But nor can we just people who just sort of lie down um, passively before any civil authority and say, well, oh, they're the boss, we've just got to go along with them. I think Christians have not only sometimes in extreme cases got have to disobey civil authority but even more often criticize civil authority and i think it's sad that in some societies and nations in our world today the church has got too cozy some christians have got too cozy with those people in power and cease to be critiquing those in power and rather are simply just being 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 um um recruited into the power structures of those places uh, and, and you know, the church becomes a tame sort of church instead of being a little bit apart from civil authority saying, hey, we reserve the right not just simply to disobey in extreme cases but to critique and challenge. Yep. You've been listening to LifeWords Q&A. Hope you've enjoyed uh, today's episode. Much to chew on and think about. And if you've got questions for David that are, are stewing in your mind or you just need clarification, I'd encourage you to email lifewords at hopemedia.com.au. You can listen to other episodes uh, on iTunes. Just search for Hope Media LifeWords Q&A or go to hope1032.com.au. And finally, you can also get David's daily devotional email in your inbox every day, Monday to Friday, that is. And uh, you can subscribe to that at the Hope website as well. You can just find that by Googling. David, again, thank you so much and look forward to chatting to you next time. Thanks, Andrew. Thanks for listening. Start your day with life words. Subscribe to Hope 1032's free daily email devotional at hope1032.com.au.